the MLSC Podcast, episode number 421. Andrew with you once again. I'm joined as always by Derek, aka Deeper3. I'm happy to be here as always. Uh, Andrew, I wanted to kick off the show talking about arcade basketball video games. How fun are they co-op when they're well-made? You know, I love sim games, but arcade games, I think sometimes they're even better as a as a co-op experience in the sim games, because you've usually only got the two or three players per side. It's pick up and play. I don't think we've ever had a, a, a game of an arcade basketball title that's not been a blast. Right. Every single time we connect on one of those games, we just have such a good time. And this week, I've connected with NBA Live Girl on NBA Hang Time, Tech Mobile GGL on NBA Showtime, you on with you on NBA Jam, on fire edition and every single session was just an absolute blast just awesome moments awesome fun i just it's just not getting old like i can't say that one experience was better than the other either because it was just fun playing off real it really highlights the need to have that arcade game as well as the sim games on the market does it not Oh, no, absolutely. Well, you know what's funny, too, is about these arcade games, these whether it's two-on-two or three-on-three, like like Street, like Street's a, you know, a street arcade game. What's, what's unbelievable is that you can go back 25, 26 years and play a game, an arcade title that old and have just as much fun and just as much control as an arcade game made in, like, 2010 or 2009 and whatnot, or like as much control as you had in NBA playgrounds or playgrounds too, which are, which are newer titles. Like I'm, I'm playing NBA hang time with NBA live girl. Um, I was hosting it. Um, she connected to, to me and you know, we're jumping for alley-oops and everything. We're using strategy and everything. It's like this game, I'm having just as much fun really with this game with NBA hang time and having just as much control as I do on like NBA Jam on Fire Edition. And it's just, it blows my mind how you can play a game in the same genre separated by like 25 years, a sports game, 20, 25 years, etc. And it can be just so fun and so similar. I mean, arcade games, arcade basketball games hold up incredibly well. Like you said, it's almost 30 years since the release of the original NBA Jam think about that for a second and you can still go back and play that and as you said just as fun as it was 30 years ago 30 odd years ago so it really is incredible i mean it makes sense you you look at the sim titles they were trying to be more realistic and they were doing so with more limited technology so they ran into some barriers that the arcade games didn't but i mean that's not to say that the old sim games aren't fun to revisit and, and play even today i know you went back and played nba showdown the precursor to nba showdown 94 the precursor to nba live 95 and that's still fun to revisit, but they, they improved so much going to Live 95. It holds up a lot better, those early live games, as opposed to the last few NBA playoffs games that EA made. But arcade games just hold up so well. They pick up and play. They've got more of a... They're more of a video game than basketball. You know, you talk about Desires, you know, don't play video games, play basketball. With arcade games, you, I mean, you are playing basketball, obviously, but it is so much of a, of a video game element. You're not worrying about some of the realism. The game's not trying for that realism. So it just holds up so much better decades later right and another cool thing about those is the challenge like there's 
NBA hang time, when you play that on the hardest level, is absolutely brutal. Um, somebody commented on my Twitter post about it when I posted some highlights, and they said, I don't even think it's possible for you to win when you're playing solo against the computer on NBA hang time when it's on the hardest level. NBA Showtime is very similar. When you play NBA Showtime and you play it on the hardest level, the the, the computer is so unforgiving they hit everything you can't block them hardly ever um, you're missing shots that they're making uh it's just absolutely wild uh as far as like difficulty goes so um that's another cool thing and same thing on nba jam on fire edition you and i have gotten really good as far as like winning the gold challenges pretty much every time and we did well when we played the um the bots but there's definitely a really fun challenge element to it as well so that it, it, it's been a blast I, I can't wait to connect with more people on these arcade games i've been just doing it so much lately and you mentioned nba showdown 94 listen i, I played nba showdown 94 with tech mobile on the stream we played two games and we played the sega version which is absolutely better than the super nintendo version it's faster pace it feels like the animations are smoother etc it's just it was really fun but i gotta tell you i could have played that game for a few more hours. I think it's very well made. It's really fun to go in there and try to attack the rim because some of the dunk animations are excellent. Um, using a guy like Chris Mullen is incredibly fun. Um, Tech Mobile was using him, but you know, getting up to that three point line and the smooth shooting animations and everything. I really think that NBA Showdown 94 for Sega is a, an incredibly underrated title in the basketball sim space history. I need to get on there with you and play the uh, Sega version because I've got the Super Nintendo version, got the universal adapter, able to play that on my uh, my own Super Nintendo, a PAL NTSC game on a PAL console with that universal adapter. I have noticed that it is a slower game and much slower than Live 95. And, and I do miss having that turbo or sprint button, which was a problem with a lot of the old sim games back in the day. And funnily enough, not the arcade games, which is why they hold up better. Yeah, I would say that NBA Showdown 94 pace, you know, speed-wise is probably in the middle of Bulls versus Blazers and Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. Because Bulls versus Blazers was deathly slow, in my opinion. NBA Showdown uh, 94 for Sega sped it up a little bit. And then um, Tecmo Super NBA Basketball was faster than, you know, all of those older titles. So um, I did want to point out, too, you know, to go back to the arcade space. Andrew and I, you know, we were talking about it. And I wanted to make it a point for us to start streaming a little bit. I think people really enjoy that stream, um, the streaming atmosphere, being able to get into the live chat, being able to connect with us that way, ask us questions, all of that stuff. Um, so you and I actually um, streamed for about a half hour NBA Jam on Fire edition tonight, and it worked awesome. And we shattered the backboard. You shattered the backboard with Sean Kemp off of a lob from me. And man, we're going to have to stream more. We really do. We did stream a we, we did a test stream a couple of weeks back, was it now? But I wasn't mic'd up for that one. I was mic'd up this time, so we were able to chat. We were able to throw out some facts about the games, make some take some jabs at Dane Cook. Uh, that was fun too. No, I'm totally down for some more streaming. This is because Good Luck Chuck is an absolute terrible movie, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of people out there that did like Dane Cook, but I never thought he was funny at all as a stand-up comic and that's on the stream if you guys want to hear our commentary about that but yeah good we, luck we, Chuck. we, we stand uh, by it, it we stand by this there was like a two year we do there was like a two-year span where dane cook was everything 
right? Like you saw Dane Cook on TV constantly. He was in movies and then he just fell off the planet. And that actually happened too, if you remember correctly, not to get too far off from basketball with Daniel Tosh, the comedian. Um, he, they, um, and he had his show Tosh.0. There's like a, a year or two where just everybody was talking about Daniel Tosh and then that was it. And then you didn't really hear much about him after that. But anyway, so great streams lately with Tech Mobile, with you, etc. Great visiting those arcade games, some of those classic sim games. Um, it's just it just continues to be a great year of connecting with people in the community. It really does, and of course we have the the finals of the College Hoops Two K Eight tournament coming up as well. How exciting! So yeah, in real life, um, Duke and UNC, and I believe UNC won, and the quote unquote. Larry Bird lookalike Brady Manic, um, I heard had a good game. I didn't actually watch the game. I'll have to look that up and look at the stats and look at the highlights and whatnot. My brother Mark can't wait for him to make the NBA, Brady Manic, if he makes it, because um, he just wants to draft him on a fantasy draft and just <laughs> launch threes from all over the floor with him and try to use him like Larry Bird. That's that's what he wants to do. But yeah, College Hoops 2K8 tournament. The final is going to be played tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Kansas, which is our friend Nate Stasho, live 2001 legend, and Brent Lane, who's using um, Memphis, the Derrick Rose Memphis team. So it's going to be a great game, very evenly matched teams in that game. Um, I'm thinking about streaming it to my channel, the full game, and then breaking up the highlights and putting them on the NLSC. You and I talked about that briefly before the show. Haven't decided yet, um, but either way, I think it would be a good idea to post the full game and the highlights or at least just the full game because it is the final. Um, but everybody's just had so much fun in this tournament. Both players, Brent and Nate, are super excited to play the final. And I can't wait to start the next tournament after. And I love how even the people after they've been eliminated are still keeping up with the tournament and they, they want to see the results, which again goes back to the, the goodwill that we've had throughout this tournament, which has just been so refreshing, so nice to see. Because online play, and I know it's beating a dead horse, but there is a lot of toxicity in that scene. But when, we, when you can organize a tournament like this, and, and it's not just relying on the, the wider community and letting those toxic people in, look what, look what happens, Derek. Yeah, and I saw John Jake Gaming um, comment on the NLSC Top 10 Plays of the Week video stating that he can't wait to you know find out the result of the College Hoops 2K8 tournament. And he was um, eliminated by King J. Mace, actually, in the elite eight game of the tournament. So that's pretty cool. There's people waiting on the results. Um, you know, people like seven Oh seven, um, who also commented on the NLSC thread. Um, he, uh, ended up losing to Nate to our friend, Nate in an earlier round. He was super excited for us to get to the finals so he could see who won the tournament and everything. A lot of goodwill in the tournament, no poor sportsmanship, just a lot of good people from all the, from all around the world. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better, um, for a tournament, for a better tournament, honestly. It just encourages to run more and more tournaments. So we'll be looking to do that. Uh, shout out to you for all the hard work you've been putting into that, hosting, obviously, putting those videos together for the channel. And thank you to everybody who is taking part. And of course, it continues to produce some top 10 highlights as well. Another great top 10 this week. Yeah, I mean, College Hoops 2K8 tournament had a highlight in there um, from Freak Band, who was using UAB, a slick behind the head 
alley-oop pass on the fast break for a jam. Alley-oops are not common in college hoops 2K8. They're really hard to pull off no matter what difficulty level you're you're playing on. That's one of the first ones that got pulled off in the entire tournament. Absolutely beautiful. So, of course, that's going to make it in there. Um, We had NBA hang time highlights um, co-op with me and NBA Live Girl. We had a unique self-alley-oop from you on NBA 2K14. Um, The NBA Live 2001 Legends played a game on NBA Live 2002, and he had a Rasheed Wallace under the leg dunk and a 360 dunk and just just unbelievable dunks by Sheed, which made the top play. You know, the number took the number one spot. But yeah, just it was a really good top 10. And I can't believe we're almost a year into that. Uh, This was week 46. We're already almost up to week 52. And um, we're just continuing to get great highlights and, uh, you know, every single week. The weeks just fly by, don't they? They do. I mean, I can't even believe it. Uh, it needs to slow down, honestly. Time needs to slow down because <laughs> it does. Th- this is a little bit too much, to be honest. Oh, I did want to bring up something, though. One game that didn't go so well when I was connected with somebody, and it had absolutely nothing to do with their ability to play the game or my ability to play the game. Um, it had nothing to do with a poor connection or anything like that. It was just the game. Um, I on the Tech Mobile GGL stream, we played NBA 2K22 for the PC, Why? and we played. Why would you do such a thing? Uh, such a mistake! Such a mistake! <laughs> we played the 96-97 roster, Tony's um, Da Vinci's um, 96-97 roster. It's an it's an awesome roster. Great art, great courts, great jerseys. Remember, I talked though about how like great art, great courts, great jerseys, all of that stuff. Um, it, it can't like make the game more fun on the sticks right it can't fix the gameplay mechanics and even if right even if you made the players well if the game mechanics are poor overall um it's just not going to be a great experience so we played and we played actually i think we had like default sliders in there jump into a game just the most and you know this from playing it it turned you off from the game the most sluggish gameplay just players so slow trying to move around the court players just getting sucked into each other you know semi contests operating like full contests where you have enough space like if you were in real life you'd easily have enough space to have it it would be considered a good look like you'd have a really good chance of hitting the shot just bricking or not even hitting rim on the shots was just missing layups over and over and over again even with layup timing turned off just just constantly missing layups with nba players it just felt poor like it was just not a fun experience so we ended up switching off of that before even the end of the game and moving on to another game but man nba 2k22 for the pc is just overall so disappointing from a gameplay standpoint i'm having so much more fun we talked about this me and tech mobile after the stream you know we're having so much more fun playing the older titles over NBA 2K22 because the gameplay is just so much more fun and more loose and makes more sense. Like we said, Tech Mobile and I, we had more fun playing NBA Showdown 94, the two games we played, than we did NBA 2K22. And I think that's a red flag. It, it really is. I mean, there's a reason I'm playing 2K14 for PS4 in the in year three of my career, as opposed to going to 2K22. And I feel kind of bad in so much as I wanted to. I really wanted to give 2K22 a chance. And I wanted to play my my NBA, as we talked about last week. But I'm just not feeling the gameplay, even on PS5. PC, I just don't want to play at all. But even PS5, 
I'm just not feeling it either. So again, I've gone back to 2K14 and I don't regret it at all. But you bring up Hang Time, and what a as much as I love Tournament Edition, what an amazing follow up to TE. And of course, it lost the jam name. Acclaim bought that name off midway. But even without the name, you know, what's in a name? To quote Shakespeare, it was just such. That is the true follow up to Tournament Edition, not NBA Jam Extreme. NBA Hang Time is the closest thing to NBA Jam on Fire Edition for any game of its kind, in my opinion. I think that the gameplay is so similar. Um, playing defense is just as fun in NBA Hang Time as it is in NBA Jam on Fire Edition. There's a um, a highlight that I shared where I block like three or four shots in a row um, and then you know rip a rebound off of the rim etc all on the same possession on nba hang time and just the entire sequence was so fun and i had control over everything it was just absolutely excellent um nba hang time might be the most underrated arcade basketball game ever i really believe that i think it's 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 hardly discussed how often do you hear nba hang time brought up it's It's, always just like it's overlooked for sure yeah it's overlooked right and um I, I have to connect with more people on that game because I've just been absolutely having a blast with it. It's funny that there's an error that I didn't notice for years. I guess I did notice, but I didn't really pay it much mind. And it was uh, Q, Eric, uh, QB1120, who's been in the tournaments and whatnot, uh, and team member, pointed it out. And I hadn't realized for years, but the colors of the jerseys of the Raptors and Grizzlies are switched in that game. And I, I went back and looked and realized, oh, yes, how did I, this not click? And it's much like the Kevin Edwards uh, using Blue Edwards' portrait in the PC version of Tournament Edition that I went back 20 years later, over 20 years later, and saw this error and thought, how the hell did I not man- <laughs> did I not notice this before? Yeah, well, we played the Raptors, though, and they had the right jersey. So are, are, are we talking about the PlayStation version or are you talking about the Super Nintendo version? Uh, N64 version has the wrong uh, jersey color. Uh, oh, okay. So I missed that. So it's N64. Yeah, they're right on the PlayStation version. That we're playing. I've never actually played the are N64. They, are they? Oh yes, they are there yeah, because they're, they're purple and purple and black on. Uh, yeah, for the Raptors. Yeah, on 64, the Grizzlies have the purple and black jerseys and the teal jerseys uh, with the Raptors. The yeah, the Grizzlies have the Raptors colors. Yeah, so that was a mistake. Did N64, did N64 have any of the best sports games for their genre, or any I, like like the best version of a sport game for their genre? I, I don't think so. I mean, that was the only issue. Apart from that, it was great. It, it was one. It was a pretty good arcade port, the '64 version. But the I think actually that, that error was in the original version as well. Possibly the original arcade version. I'll have to double check. But I know they corrected it for PlayStation. Uh, Super Nintendo was correct as well, but N64 did get that wrong. That's interesting. You know, I was um, you know playing hang time and showtime and and all of that and one of the things that actually stood out to me and i think you can agree with this is just how awesome some of the art is and how much things pop and how much they paid attention to detail on the graphics not on the n64 version obviously as far as like attention to detail and whatnot but um if you put on nba showtime for the nba showtime nba on nbc for the sega dreamcast which is the best version of nba showtime let's be honest that New York Knicks court, because we were using him and I were playing on the same team. We were using Spreewell in Houston, so and we were playing at home. That Knicks court is one of the best looking courts I've seen in any basketball video game. It just pops. The colors pop. 
I just want to like get out there right now and put that game on and, and go onto that court. And it's really cool to see it in such high quality because back in the day we we're playing on a CRT. You don't you don't actually realize how good some of those textures were. Yeah, I mean they're really good. I mean the players are too jacked. It's your action figure kind of um, <laughs> model, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not taken too seriously, obviously, with that. But it's funny because Steve Smith on NBA 2K22 um, commentary and some of the newer 2K commentary games anyway, he says that one of the things he liked about being in the older video games is that they always made him look jacked. <laughs> so I wonder if he had Showtime in his head for that too. Well, of course, uh, Fox Sports NBA Basketball 2000, where he was a cover athlete, also used those jacked uh, player models. So there you go. He's probably talking about the great Fox Sports Basketball 2000. Yeah, I actually had a question for you. What did you think of NBA Hoops, which was the follow-up of NBA Showtime, but it was three-on-three. They added a full season mode. There was more players on the teams, etc. What were your thoughts on NBA Hoops, and what what was your opinion on the gameplay with that three-on-three scene? Uh, It's been a while since I've played it. I do have it in my collection, my vast collection, obviously which is missing a title, which we'll be touching on shortly. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like the, the jam style works better two-on-two, yet street works better three-on-three. Three. I'm not sure why that is, but that's how I feel. I think my brother and I, we, we came away with the same opinion on that, like that overall the two-on-two two works better for that game, and it may be because of the speed mm. and pace Could be. like and whatnot, and you don't want a, the computer controlling a player at that speed when you're trying to play co-op, et cetera. So, and of course you're going to have to do that if there's only two controlling, right? You're going to have the third computer player. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that it was a really cool idea to have the full season mode, even if it wasn't deep, it's just kind of cool to have that in an arcade game. Um, they also had something cool in NBA hoops where you could create your own team. So you could, you know, have, there's like stock logos in the game and stuff, but you can kind of like customize your own jerseys and then, you know, throw players from around the league onto a team and then take them into a season. I thought that was really cool. So they did, were doing cool things like that, but I'm guessing that the game didn't hit as well as the developers and the company thought it would, which is why we never got anything after that. I wonder if maybe arcade games were losing a bit of their shine at the time, because of course the biggest name was still NBA Jam but it was acclaimed making NBA Jam games and not doing a very good job of them. So I think people were overlooking Midway's games because they no longer had the Jam name. Hang Time, as you say, is kind of overlooked. So that may be part of the cause as well, that people kind of got burned out on that arcade experience or they were trying to make arcade simulation hybrids like Jam was that doing, trying to do 5-on-5 five five arcade, which just didn't work well at all. Yeah, I mean, that 5-on-5 five five arcade Jam um, attempt... <laughs> It sucks. It absolutely sucks. It's bad. I'm sorry. I, I The animations are absolutely horrible. Um, the worst mobile game almost looks better than that today. <laughs> um, it was, it's just not fun to play. There's nothing really good about it. The ball physics are way off. Um, yeah, I didn't really have fun with that. What a huge mistake. Oh, yeah. It's, that, it's, it's, the, it's a bad the, sign. It's a bad sign when the, when the best part of the game is that if you choose arcade or sim it changes the main menu style that's the most interesting part of the game yeah that's yeah. a bad I mean, sign yeah i mean th- those those games are um on the list for top five worst basketball video games ever made certainly from a competent developer yeah i mean you've got your games like your kids sports basketball uh, even a game like Incredi basketball 2000 and sorry international basketball 2009 and Incredi basketball the two games that uh, i forget the net who actually made them but they're, they're available uh, as digital only releases 
that they're up there. But as far as competent games, you know, like a big studio, like an EA or an Acclaim, that's when you're looking at NBA Live 07 and the NBA Jam 99s and 2000s as far as the worst games by a developer that has put out good games before. Well, you know what's sad? When you go play the NBA Jam 99 and 2000 and whatnot, if I remember correctly, Marv Albert's on the commentary. Yes. And he does an amazing job. Like, he's clear. He sounds really good. Some of his lines are good. What a waste. Like, if you're going to have Marv Albert on your commentary, and you know how big he was at the time. No doubt, right? yeah. People people talk about Kevin Harlan and his thing, like the Steph Curry bang and all that stuff. But, you know, Marv Albert was as big or bigger than Breen, you know, at the time as far as, like, in basketball conversation. Like, Definitely. he was basketball commentary. The voice, the voice of the NBA, yeah. Right, exactly. If you're going to have Marv Albert in a video game, I, I would really hope that it was a better quality game. And, you know, it's funny. I, I was I was playing NBA Shootout 2004. I was talking to you about this, you know, like a year ago. And it was really cool to hear somebody like Bill. And, and that's not a bad game, by the way. I enjoyed that game. I told you that. I think it was very good. I think it, it, gameplay-wise, it can compete in some ways with live. 2004 and ESPN NBA Basketball from 2K. But um, Bill Walton is excellent on NBA Shootout 2004. And I was like, man, why couldn't we have Bill Walton on more games in commentary, you know, as the color guy? So I didn't think it was a waste with him in Shootout 2004, but I was like, man, couldn't we get him in other games? No, for sure, for sure. When he was still one of the top analysts on the on the broadcasts uh definitely a missed opportunity i mean it took live a few years i mean all respect to the late don poyer and bob elliott they did a pretty good job for a few years there but when it, when they got in marv first alongside uh the czar mike Fratello, and then alongside steve kerr that just took commentary and live to the next level 100 percent um nick and i joke about it my brother when we play NBA Live 2004, because the, the action is so crazy and frenetic sometimes, especially if you're playing on um, 60 speed, which is what it is default when you're playing on the hardest level. Um, but, you know, Mike Fratello's talking, and Marv Albert are talking about the action like it's so serious and everything, and we're like, shut up, Mike. Shut up, Marv. Guys, stop acting like this is real. Stop acting like this is realistic. Um, as the players are just like kind of like flying around the floor. Listen, I'm a huge fan of NBA Live 2004, but if you play it on the hardest level and it's at 60 speed, it's the pace is just absolutely insane. But um, having them in the game was great for marketing, advertising, and they just sound awesome. And Mike Fratello is, in my opinion, one of the best commentators ever. He's right up there with Doug Collins, who I thought was great, um, Hubie Brown, etc. Fratello is fantastic, and he's fantastic in NBA Live. Well, I mean, not to get too old man yelling at Cloud on this, but he's from the era where analysts analyzed. Oh, my God, yeah. See, Mike Fratello and Doug Collins were so amazing because they broke down the action. Um and not just like in between, you know, like in during timeouts, et cetera, when they had the board, you know, where they could write on it and all of that stuff and write on the screen. They were breaking down the action as it was happening during the game and right after plays and all of that stuff. And it was just awesome to listen to them. You felt like you could learn from them. You felt that they were sincere. And you also felt like they had a real passion for what they were talking about, right? Like, you could tell they loved the game. They loved the NBA. They loved what they were talking about. And I think that's a big difference from what we hear today, where, you know, you have Reggie Miller on there, and then, you know, before he got 
you know, Keck, Chris Weber, et cetera, um, and other, you know, local commentators just not really acting like they're that into the action. They're not breaking down the action. They're talking more about, you know, drama off the court or like, you know, they're having side conversations and all of that stuff and they're not getting super excited. So, yeah, I, I miss the days of true analysis in the NBA space, um, you know, during games and whatnot. And then just them showing that, you know, passion for the game. Oh, 100%. And that came to the virtual hardwood as well. I remember when we, we first heard about Marv Albert coming to Live 2004. Of course, one of the big questions in all the developer interviews was, or at least the first few when we heard about that, was, is his signature yes in the game? And, and the developers were like, of course. You know, we, we can't add him to the commentary team and not give that. So that just added something else. You know, when you made a big shot to hear that, like Mike Green's bang in, in recent live games, for example, or Kevin Harlan going crazy in uh, in 2K, you know, you, you need that. You need to capture that excitement of real basketball in the virtual hardwood. Right. You can say what you want about Jeff Van Gundy, like if you don't really like his commentary that much. You can say what you want about even Breen if, if you don't like him as much as Marv Albert or something. But the NBA live commentary is absolutely excellent because it's Breen and Van Gundy at their best every single game like playing nba live 16 now obviously not an nba live 19 with the absolutely terrible jay williams absolutely hate him on commentary just drives me up a wall as he does you but with nba live 15 nba live 16 with breen and van gundy on the call it's so authentic van gundy's just lashing out like he does in real life about certain um on court happenings and stuff and saying oh my god that is a terrible shot what was he thinking etc um and breen is you know playing his role love the commentary on nba live 15 and live 16 it is absolutely incredibly immersive and it's really sad that they wouldn't pay those guys for nba live 19 you know bringing in those other guys jay williams and the the play-by-play whose name uh, escapes me at the moment obviously for the dynamic commentary that they could add more during the season. But it's not its not worth adding new lines if it's them saying them. Oh, my God, no. See, that's the thing. Like, oh, look, we want dynamic commentary. But if the commentary isn't good... Who cares? Overall, <laughs> who cares? It's like the whole thing, like we've talked about. Oh, cool, you added this new, like mode or you added this new feature to your game. But if your gameplay isn't strong and the game's not, you know, fun, then great like who cares right who cares about that new mode you added or or that new feature if the game isn't you know enjoyable on the sticks so yeah i'm not a fan of jay williams commentary i'm not a fan of the commentary as a whole on nba live 19 and uh, i just looked it up but ed cohen the uh new york knicks play-by-play radio play-by-play announcer so you've gone from the a team of nba on espn and uh abc to jay williams and the uh new york knicks radio guy and uh, with all due respect, no, a, a huge downgrade there. Well, Ed Cohen doesn't really add to any excitement, right? No. Like, his commentary is kind of blah, Yes, I would say, overall. And I'm not trying to insult him. I'm talking about on the video game. On NBA Live 19, it's very blah. Um, he, had so, a plane, he had a plane to catch when he was recording that one. Was recording his line. Yeah, that's how, that's, how, that's how it feels basically um it's definitely a downgrade and you know what if you want to have dynamic commentary and that's what you have to do to get it you don't have dynamic commentary you just you know pay mike breen and jeff van gundy and you have your base commentary and just keep it that way through the season because i can guarantee you that people would rather listen to them 
Yeah. Or at least the majority of people. The, the gimmick is not worth the drop in quality. Not at all. But we bring up NBA Live. We brought up its forerunner series, NBA Playoffs. Uh, yeah, you actually snagged a uh, the first game in that series, Lakers versus Celtics. We, we talked about last week. We talked about uh, seeing a copy on eBay. We were both looking at it. And uh, I procrastinated, and uh, you purchased. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. And I didn't tell him I purchased either. He just saw the Twitter post of me holding up the uh, floppy disk of Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs for PC. So I was sitting on it and I'm like, do I want to drop the money they're asking for on this game? You know, it's not the box version. It's just the disk itself. It was from a very, very well-rated seller. Like, I think they have thousands of reviews and like five stars. Like, there's no no reason why I wouldn't trust this seller. And I was like, all right, I got to do it. I'll, I'll hate myself for not doing it. I was looking up gameplay of Lakers versus Celtics for the PC and it looked really fun. And I was like, I got to have this game. So it came in in great condition, wrapped just as well as you wrapped your gift for me. And now I just need a floppy disk drive that will plug in and work on Windows 10. So that's my next purchase. But yeah, I got it. So Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs released in 1989 for the PC is now part of my collection. No, it adds an awesome addition to the collection. I was looking at it. It was going to be about 40 Australian for the game itself, for the disc that was being sold. Uh, the postage was going to be about another $35, $40 on top of that, plus some import charges as well. So I was kind of umming and ahhing over that because the you know the postage costs really but yes no you, you jumped in there got a, a great addition to the collection so let's get you that uh, external floppy drive and get you set up in DOSBox because that's all it's going to take and you'll be running it on windows 10 oh my god and then i can connect with people on it exactly right how cool is that i can connect with uh with people using parsec and play a game an amazing basketball video game that came out in 1989 and i'll have to stream that as well um now the shipping wasn't as expensive for me obviously um, Domestic, yeah. it was in, it was in the states um so it wasn't that bad i think overall i probably spent around i want to say 45 bucks something like that but for me that's worth it i know it's not it's not the full box set tech mobile ggl actually has the full pc version in a in in the in the original box it looks amazing kareem's taking a hook i believe on the front etc but um i wanted the game and one of the biggest reasons why i wanted the game not only to add it to my collection was so i could get it working on the pc and i could connect with the community on it and share my experiences with that game because that's just been so much fun for me um so i'm looking forward to that and that's actually a pretty good price for something that is a pretty rare collectible. You don't see a lot of those making their way onto eBay. You'll see Genesis copies, obviously, but you don't see a lot of the PC version. So to get that disc in such great condition, even not without manuals or complete in box or anything like that, I think that's still a very good price, especially with retro game collecting, as we talked about a couple of shows ago, just going up so much in price. And it was a game you didn't have. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. one of the best parts of this was putting that out there with me holding up the cartridge with a little smirk on my face. Oh, I noticed. And, I noticed. And he's saying, this is a game that Andrew doesn't even have because <laughs> you posted your massive collection on social media. So I had to find some way to one up you. No, my cl collection still isn't quite as big, but now I got something that you want. Plus it was something that I was looking at as well. So that's, that's even better for you. 
Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a shady move by me to not even tell you that I was going to buy it. Just like buy it and then it, <laughs> it finally vanishes off of your like oh, your it, track. It, it, it's and just like, there. Where my, did it go? Yeah. Just there on my watch list and oh this this you know this listing has ended it's uh, it's been purchased I'm like oh and I actually wondered did Derek do that did Derek buy it you know because I think one of us should own it quite frankly what because we're the ones perhaps more than anyone in the world would appreciate that yeah I mean it makes sense right one of us I mean I didn't really I didn't hesitate I like let's put it this way if it was the full box version and they were asking for double the money like if it was like the the full thing the manual all that stuff there wouldn't have been hesitation. I would have just done it. Would have bought it. Oh, for that price. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, even if it was double that, like even if it was like 90 to a hundred dollars, like to have that in my collection, we talked about this. This is our hobby, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would have done it in a second, but my hesitation really came because it was just the floppy disk. Right. Mm. And it was like, do I really want this as the version that I hold in my collection and maybe down the road, I'll get a box version, etc. But I just couldn't, after watching gameplay on YouTube of it, I was like, I listen, I can't wait any longer. I need to get this game and I need to have it as part of my collection. And I need to be able to, you know, get this on my PC. So I decided to pull the trigger. I don't regret it at all either. No, no, should be no regrets whatsoever for such a, a great pickup. But here's my question. Are you going to also drop, $13,000 on that sealed inbox copy of Jordan versus Bird. So here's the thing. <laughs> I still have <laughs> I still have the NES version in my apartment of Jordan versus Bird. Remember I grew up with that game. Of course. That's important for me. Um I don't have the box for it. I just have the cartridge. But no, I will not be doing that. Um one thing that you and I have talked about before, it's not we're not just collectors. We're they're like we're not having our video games just sit on the shelf, right? Yeah. The goal is to play these games too. That's right. So, like, if I was some insane collector and it was about just like viewing it on the shelf and that was my mindset, I would probably, you know, be buying these like sealed box versions or at least giving them a closer look. But for me, just having the cartridge for Jordan versus Bird, like that, I could throw in my NES or whatever. Or just having the cartridge so then I can legally play like the emulated version of it and share that with people. That for me is good enough. So I'm that type of collector. And well, I think you're kind of the same. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, when I got College Hoops uh, 2K8, uh, that is, it's in a, uh, a PlayStation 3 case, but it's not the original case. It's not completed box. Uh, College Hoops 2K7 was just in a, another DVD case, not, not even a PS4, uh, sorry, rather a PS3. Uh, game case and i've got a lot of other games that are just disc only or, or whatever or cartridge only and like you said we get them to play we're not getting them to display to show off although of course i did by posting the photo of the collection on twitter i guess i was showing up to a certain extent um but i talked you into that let's be honest i talked you into that i mean i, I probably would have i mean i i've got an article already drafted that's about my collection as of 2022 so i did need to take that photo anyway but yes I, I was uh, pushed into... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I wanted to do it. But, yeah, you're right. We, we get the games to play, to enjoy, not just to display. And I think also a lot of other collectors get games and try to get complete collections so that then they, then they can flip it themselves and, and make a profit on it. And that's not what we're looking to do either. So I think people who are doing that would probably pay more as that initial investment, knowing they're going to make their money back even more, you know, maybe even tenfold for a full collection. I've never bought a video game or collected a video game for profit. 
Yeah. I've never, I've never like set out to get any game to flip it or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, but yeah, just make me feel better. Say that I had that influence over you. You're like, yeah, you pushed me into it, Derek. You did. You, you, you gave me the there nudge. If nothing else, you gave me the nudge to uh, to brag about my collection, which I think deserves to be bragged about. I'll say that. It does. It's the biggest. Like I said, I uh, I know a lot of people um, who play basketball, video games, and connected with a lot of people on Discord. And yeah, you have the biggest ba- uh, basketball gaming collection I've ever seen, and I'm second. And of course, yours has uh, Lakers versus Celtics. Uh, mine has uh, NBA basketball for the Intellivision, the very first NBA licensed game. So I like that we've got some rarities in there. Um, if we can ever get NBA Elite 11, that'd be great. That won't happen. No, not at these prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we'd. I, I think the Powerball might make me do that. Like, like, like if I won the Powerball, if I won, you know, a If few I was million. stupidly rich, yeah, I would. Stupidly rich, I would. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to, like, sell my car or <laughs> for, mortgage. For, mortgage house for, for go. I don't have- I don't even have a house, and I'm telling you that. Yeah, Forgo for, for a down payment on a house, you know, an actual good investment. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. That, that being said, we did have a, a NBA Elite 11 um, demo highlight, another one of those in the top 10 this week. That's always fun to see. The Live King plays the NBA Elite 11 demo a lot, I feel like, because he's had a couple highlights from the demo that made it into um, the top 10. And I love to see it because that play that he did with Kobe, that up fake and drive and then the jam looked really great. The graphics on NBA elite 11 are really good, you know, not just for its time, but just in general, I like the way it looks. And when you learn the controllers, like I usually use the um, old, old controller set, not like the elite, the new elite 11, like hockey controls and whatnot. But when you kind of get used to the controls, and the way the dribbling works, you like switching hands with the dribble and, and whatnot. The game does have a decent pace. Like it does pace pretty well and you can pull off some pretty sweet stuff. And the live King um, at Steve from the dot on Twitter, um, he, he's proving that with some of those highlights, you can definitely do some cool things in that game. It feels better with the old school controls, which goes to show what a, what a mistake it was to try and revamp the controls unnecessarily and into an NHL game of all things, you know, why they did that is such a misstep as we've talked about before but when something looks good it looks you know pretty good yeah it's a good looking dunk by kobe i mean it looks authentic it's it's a good up fake it's it's good the way he goes into his drive all of that stuff yeah um and the commentary is good in that game it is too bad that they didn't release it i think they should have just released it anyway it's still not worse than NBA Live 07. I know people are probably like what really you're saying that but yeah, i still swear that NBA Live 07 is a worse game it's a low bar to clear, but it, it may just clear it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not going to connect on that anytime soon. Before we get to the mailbag this week, just want to give an update on my NBA 2K14, my career. Uh, shout out to Nader, who was uh, in the stream on your channel, Derek, early today, asked about it, asked if I was getting close to the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, I have the 9 of the 10 milestones set up so far, so I'm very close. Uh, 110 assists away, as of when we're recording this, from getting the uh, 10th milestone. And I think about... 200 steel something like that 210 steel something along those lines so it's, it's funny with with everything i've done so far you know average a triple double for a season leading the leading the 76ers from the lottery to the uh, champ, back-to-back championships in my first two seasons two mvps uh, led the league in every statistical statistical category in my second season and doing it again this year in the second season as well um and all of that and they're still not convinced that i'm hall of fame worthy that's kind of funny but I'm only 110 assists away. Yeah, it's like um, a baked-in 
like trajectory for you, right? Set set milestones, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's basically what it is. Um, I will say that it is wild to me that in the last, you know, eight months or so, you've finished two seasons and now you're on three seasons, season three, and you're playing like every single game. You're on your way to the Hall of Fame. Your stats have been amazing. All of that stuff. Um, And all on NBA 2K14. Uh, I'm just thoroughly impressed that you've stuck with it. This has been the longest kick that you've had since I've known you. Definitely. On a a retro game or classic game. And um, I just implore people to do what Andrew's doing. I really want people in the community, people that listen to this podcast, to get away from the grind if you're on the grind on NBA 2K22. Or if you're bored with some of the newer games, even if they're not sports games, or you're looking for something to, you know, get into, go back and play an NBA 2K14 My Career. You know, pick up NBA 2K14 for cheap. If you don't have it, you can find it in certain places for cheap for different uh, the different consoles. Go back and, you know, play some of the games we've talked about, like NBA Showtime, NBA Hangtime. You know, try to get NBA download NBA Jam on Fire Edition on your newer um, consoles because it is available. And, you know, jump on the road trip, etc. Revisit those classics because Andrew is absolutely having a blast. 100%. Don't, don't be stuck with that grind or the new games if you're not enjoying it. If you are enjoying it, by all means, continue. But if you are feeling sick of it as I was and am, then definitely go back to an old favorite. Uh, if my career isn't your thing in 2K14, my GM is, is a very strong RPG slash franchise experience. Um, it was better in 2K15 when they brought in my league to be that uh, sandbox experience, that traditional franchise mode uh, in addition to that. But the first edition of my GM is still very strong. A couple of games in, you'll you'll be able to get enough VC to, and you still earn the offline version of VC in the game, obviously, as you do in my career, and you'll unlock the roster editing, sorry, not roster editing, the lineup management, rather, and be able to change the your, your lineup, and, and, and you'll be able to get some of those basic functions. It was kind of a mistake, in fact, it was not kind of a mistake, it was absolutely a mistake to have that locked and have that, have to earn VC to unlock basic functionality in that first iteration of my GM, Derek. But that being said, you can get some of that basic functionality within the first couple of games. You've got some pretty good immersive features of being able to negotiate with players and negotiate trades with other GMs and have that conversation going. So it's you know it's a pretty strong mode. So if my career isn't your speed, uh, definitely go and you want to play 2K14 and really get into it. And of course, my team is no longer available, but my GM is there, and I absolutely recommend that mode as well. They made some mistakes um, in design, just design mistakes in general with nba 2k14 and they clearly did some experimenting yes with it well and obviously we're talking about the xbox one ps4 versions of 2k14 you know we talked about the limited save slots um the fact that there's no two um multi-user season option etc um like you, you mentioned design flaws in my gm where you have to you know get use vc to unlock um something as simple as you know lineup management etc um but Overall, and I've said this before so many times, because the gameplay is so solid, that's what can overcome lack of depth and those mistakes that we're talking about, right? Because if you have fun between the lines and you have fun getting on the court, um, you're going to want to keep playing the game and you're going to want to try to get the most out of the game, um, you know, because of the fun on the virtual hardwood. And that's why you're still sticking with it. That's why it's, it's the gameplay. Um, And I wanted to bring something up, too, really quick, because I didn't mention this earlier on the show when I wanted to. 
uh, Stildo 33, Ken, and I, um, we did a test run for our NBA 2K19 season using the 94-95 roster. I've switched to the Seattle Supersonics for the season, and the reason is is because we want to get the most out of the experience. So with one of us in the East and one of us in the West, we're going to get to experience more teams, right? And it gives us an option to meet in the finals if we both you know, go all the way. So um, we played a test game on NBA 2K19, and I put in a custom slider set with Superstar as the base, and he hosted and we played a half of Warriors versus Supersonics, which is the first game of the season on, for me. My God, was that fun. Just ridiculously fun, loose basketball action. Um, and we're really excited to get the season started, which is going to happen next week. You know, post those highlights of the games and everything. And we, we hope that the community follows along. I'm sure they will. And that's, I think that's a great way of doing it, being able to meet in the finals if it comes to that, and it probably will come to that with you both being so uh, so good at the game as you are. And, and that mod is just going to be fantastic, as all the other retro season mods have been for 2K19. Uh, great to see that still being supported and updated. I know how passionate uh, you know you are, obviously, and but but uh, still though, Ken and and Lady Culture and everybody who's working on those mods and contributing to those retro season mods, how passionate they are about those projects. Yeah. It's just going to be great. Yeah, I threw an alley-oop from Kendall Gill to Sean Kemp on the fast break where Kendall Gill threw it behind his head and Kemp caught it and he cocked it back and threw it down just like Sean Kemp style. And that could easily be in the top 10. Actually, Stildo and I were on the phone when it happened and he goes, that's top 10. Like he said it right away right after it happened. So there's going to be some top 10 plays that come out of it. There's going to be, you know, game winners, et cetera, you know, great dunks, great plays. There's going to be a lot of close games, I think, because he's definitely gotten better at the game even since the first time that we played against each other. And I can tell that he's played it quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be great. And like I said, you know, this is just similar to what NBA, two, you know, Andrew's doing with NBA 2K14. You know, 2K19 isn't the most recent title. But, you know, we found a good slider set that works and a great roster and everything. And the gameplay is fun and loose now. Um, so we just want to keep hitting the virtual hardwood. So go back and, you know, be, go back and play your favorites. Let's put it that way. And uh, we also need to pick up our Live 06 season at, at some point as well. Uh, something else about 2K14. Uh, as I said, I averaged a triple-double, uh, set a new assist record, both the total assists and assists per game in my second season. And the uh, Walking with Legends pop-up came up again, Derek. And unfortunately, it doesn't update. It's still showing me as chasing or being compared to Isaiah Thomas and John Stockton's records that have since been broken. And of course, I averaged that triple-double, but it's still putting me up there with, uh, with averaging a triple-double again. And it's still comparing me to uh, Oscar Robertson, even though my current triple-double is comparable to last year's triple-double with even bigger numbers. So that was a little bit disappointing, not too surprising. Unfortunately, there is a problem with 2K14's My Career, again, this is PS4X1, where some of the stat screens, like advanced stats and team records and league records, aren't available on command. They're supposed to be. They're there in My GM, but in My Career, you can only access them if a headline comes up on the NBA.com interface, and it'll take you to it to look at the advanced stats. Like, it'll come up with the headline, who's number one in uh, PER, in PER, and you can press on that and it'll bring up the advanced stats and you can look at it there so, and if it says such and such broke a record you can look at it and it'll bring up the league and team records so unfortunately you can't look at them whenever you want which is kind of a shame but at the same time I I'm still having a blast with it how dare they compare Isaiah Thomas and John Stockton to Andrew the great Andrew 
the lover, of, that... the lover of assists. You know, nobody loves assists more than me on the virtual hardwood. I'll just put it out there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it is, though, when my brothers and I connect on like NBA 2K17. So the way we do it is we're doing three-way co-op in a fantasy draft season, and I always lock on the point guard. Nick locks on the center, and Mark uses the rest of the players. And I average about 28 to 30 assists a game. And I'm just <laughs> it's not even like I'm assist hunting. I'm just always trying to find Mark for threes or Nick in the post and everything. And it's just really fun to get them involved. But like I'm the assist guy. And it's just a blast trying to get assists all game. So I have a similar experience when I'm playing co-op with them. No, getting assists is a lot of fun. More online gamers should try it. Just putting it out there. Despite that disappointment, it is better in, in more recent games. They did fix it up that you can access those record screens and acknowledging those records being broken and the, the new records being recognized as the records when you're approaching them again to break your own records and whatnot. So that that is something they have improved upon in recent games. But, you know, it's less of a grind in 2K14. I've earned about 170,000 VC over the course of my career so far in this over the two and a bit seasons. I think about 20 games into the third season now, 18 games, something like that. I'm at 97 overall. I'm about 4,000 VC away from being able to upgrade, but completely upgrade to a 99 overall, I, I believe. So that just goes to show how much of a grind it is now compared to what it used to be. I think that's been the most fun uh, thing about this for you is the fact that you're able to go through it without the frustration of sitting back and feeling like you're doing the same crap over and over and over again. Right. Like oh, yeah. you're, you feel like you're being rewarded um, for progression the way that you should be. And I think that that's just one of the biggest problems with the newer two K's with the online scene and the, my, the, my career scene, et cetera, is the fact that, people feel like the game is not being fair to them and that there's an unnecessary grind and it's that it revolves around greed. It totally does. Obviously, you do start off at 60 overall or thereabouts and it is you are very rated very low, so you do have to build your way up to, uh, to get much better, which, which is how it should be. But it's a fun journey. And I'm not worried about the build and whether the build is viable for both online and offline play and there's no temptation of playing online because it's not possible. Looking back, it would have been fun to hit the original park a little bit more, hit that scene uh, back in the day. But that being said, I, I don't regret not being able to play online at the same time. Uh, it, it is fun to play. You know, People say, why would you want to play with bots? Why would you play against a CPU? Because it's fun stepping into the shoes of an NBA player. It's a fun journey. And people can always say this, Derek, that, oh, it's optional to buy VC, which it is, which it technically is. But when it's designed in a way to push you towards buying, and the alternative to not doing that is a grindy arduous journey that is in no way fun then it's not really much of a choice right exactly well that's what we talked about though is it's like it's forced on the gamers exactly that's the problem with it so yeah go to i'll say again like we said so many times earlier in the show go back and enjoy those old titles people if you don't like that grind today so because there's some not only are the older titles less grindy with their modes and everything and mechanics but they are also more fun, and oftentimes you have more control over the action on the virtual hardwood. That being said, we do advise against playing NBA Live 07 for Xbox 360. Yeah. So here's the thing about NBA Live 07 <laughs> for the 360. Um, that is exactly what you don't want to do gameplay-wise, as far as, like, you know action on on the floor so like nba 2k14 the experience that you're having you feel like 
you, you send me highlights all the time. You feel like you have control over the passing, over the shooting, um, you know, when you want to make a fancy pass, when you want to throw an alley-oop. Um, the, the animations play out smooth. Um, it's fun to play defense. It makes sense when you play defense. All of that stuff. Um, it's just the exact opposite of NBA Live 07 from a gameplay um, from the NBA Live 07 360 from a gameplay perspective. Um, and nothing, and I'll just I'll say it over and over and over again, nothing is more important than gameplay. I think the only reason, the only way that we'll revisit that game again is if we're going to do a stream just to riff on it. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. And we got to put out Adam Morrison out there again. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, got to play with a legend. Exactly. So it's been another fun week of basketball gaming for us. We will continue to get on here each and every week and talk to you about what we've been playing. And we also like to hear about what you've been playing and hear your opinions on basketball gaming and also answer some questions. So to that end, Derek, we're going to open up the mailbag. To the mailman, the pump face. What an unbelievable dunk! And first up, we've got a question from D Zulu at Debu Khan on Twitter. Ask about go-to plays in basketball games past and present. How long did the play remain as an option, or what made you stop running it? So some of our strategies. And and I love this question, Derek, because when we were streaming before we started recording the podcast today, we were employing one of our favorite strategies in On Fire Edition. Yeah, well, you pushing underneath the hoop, pushing somebody, and then going right up for the hoop. It works. That's the that's our strategy. Um, so there's some some strategies. I'm going to use some recent 2Ks. For example, NBA 2K17, the pick and roll just works incredibly well. The pick and roll and pick and pop in NBA 2K17. And that's one of my go-to strategies. Because um, what happens is, is oftentimes the defense can get lost on the roll a little bit too often in that game. Um, so if you do need a quick basket or anything like that, um, or you really want to make the user, if you're playing a human, um, really have to like rotate themselves, like switch to a player to rotate to cover the roll, et cetera, um, you're definitely going to want to run that pick and roll so it's fun to use no matter what and effective to use with pretty much any team that you use on a game like nba 2k 19 and some of the newer 2ks but nba 2k 19 more because i I play that more because i like it a little bit more than the newer titles um i use floppy quite a bit or quick out type plays similar to floppy where i run a shooter let's use dan marley for example when i'm using a classic team roster where i run and i've done this to stildo 33 many times and it it usually works where i run a shooter along the baseline and he gets a screen or a staggered screen depending on which play i run um and and he you know gets to the corner for a good look at a three. And the good thing about that too, is because even if the, uh, the defender does recover and get and and get a closeout, oftentimes there's a, an available drop down option where um, you can quickly throw it into onto the block. And then you either have a mismatch or you can go right up. So floppy or, or, you know, quick trigger plays that, that get your um, shooter open are pretty commonly used by me. Oftentimes I just play loose post-ups in NBA Live 2003 um, when you're using a team like the Kings with Chris Webber, et cetera, or you're using Houston with Yao and whatnot. Running that, it's really easy to run quick post-up plays and quick plays. So I'll use that post-up option or the ISO option a lot in that game. And you know how dominant the post-game can be in those NBA Live 2003, Live 2004 games. Like oh, it can be pretty absolutely. dominant. Very overpowering, so, yeah. 
getting uh, getting like Weber in there and doing a quick spin move baseline or quick spin move, um, you know, into the middle of the lane are, um, you know, it's just incredibly effective and it's a good way to beat down the computer or a human opponent. And you probably saw that when Nate Stasho and I connected on NBA Live 2004 and he was using Kevin Garnett and I was using Chris Weber and we were just going at it in the post and everything. And it was a blast. I would say those are the things that, you know, at the top, at the top of my head, those are the, the, the three situations that come up. I love running the pick and roll in uh, 2K14 in my career. Get a lot of assists that way. Uh, now that Mello is on the team, it's, it's a lot of fun actually with the uh, pick and pop plays as well because when they slide him over to power forward, calling for that screen, uh, making that hard drive to the basket and just flipping it back out for him for an open three and watching him drain it. He's actually shooting about 55, I think, plus percent from three. So he's having a great year shooting the ball from long range, is Mello, uh, in 2K14, my career. And also, I, I love that post-up play as well. Uh, I, I love getting out of the break. I, I love forcing the steals in, in my career because it's got a... 2K14 has a, has a really good uh, steal mechanic. So causing that turnover, getting out of the break and throwing some lobs. Uh, love running to the corner and just tossing a lob almost over my head. You've seen some of those. I've sent you some of those plays, some of those wild lobs I've thrown. Once you get your pass rating up and you get the alley-oop signature skill, you can start making some of those tougher lobs. Uh, yeah, I, I love getting assists. And so, yeah, just love it, lobbing it up to people at the basket. Uh, in 2K17 Pro-Am, we actually had a go running the triangle online. You know, uh, Leo was uh, brought the idea, let's try actually running some plays and and whatnot. So we're actually running the triangle, but getting some bit of success with it. But you know, the online scene is mostly catered to some of those cheesy plays. So yeah, running running a play like that and playing organized basketball is not always the best option, unfortunately, in the online scene. But we had some success doing that. Yeah, the only reason the triangle worked decently well for you is because you didn't have Carmelo Anthony, right? This is true. That's got to be reason. Yeah. No. So. um I'll run alley plays and whatnot on NBA 2K19 where, like, if I have Kemp on the floor or something, I'll, you know, have him get behind the defense. But here's the thing. I run – I like quick plays, but I run when – I, when I play games, I don't run plays that often, right? Because basketball should be free-flowing and it should be, you know, operating off of, like, instincts and whatnot. And – um impulse and all of that stuff and you know being able to react on the fly one of the things i couldn't stand actually when i was in high school um you know when i played for the basketball team was the unbelievable amount of plays that we had for on on offense whether it would be we would have like 10 or 15 different inbounds plays we would have about 15 to 20 different offensive sets and our coach would try to use these different plays like almost all of them every single game we would be calling plays constantly every time down the floor and we never got into a rhythm as a result of it um there was often confusion um there was you know turnovers that shouldn't have happened there were passes out of open shots just so we could finish the play right like, well, the play wasn't designed for this shooter. So even though he's a good shooter and he's wide open, we got to make sure we do that swing pass all the way to the other side of the court to get that guy the shot. And then he takes a contested shot or the pass gets picked off. Like, absolutely ridiculous when people overdo the, the you know running plays and play calling and everything because it can absolutely screw up momentum. It can screw up flow. People aren't acting off of instincts anymore. 
etc. So when I play basketball games, I don't run that many plays outside of quick plays because I don't think that's the way basketball should be played. I don't think that's the way it should be coached. And even in the NBA now, I think it was John Morant that had this long Instagram post. Um, it was either John Morant. It was another. It was either John Morant or another point guard in the league. I couldn't remember who it was, but he had stated that teams in the NBA only run like a couple plays sometimes every game on offense. Sometimes they're running the same play or the same couple plays for an entire half, right? For offensive sets and etc. Like this, calling a play every play or or even every three plays. It just doesn't do anything for me in, in, in real life, and it doesn't do anything for me in the video game space. Calling plays every single time, that, that, that's kind of like the, the play-calling equivalent of analytics, where you're doing something just because the chart or the numbers say so. Like, oh, we've got to run this play. We have to make that pass, even if, when it doesn't make sense, because that's how the play is supposed to end. So, yeah, that's, that kind of reminds me of doing something just because... It's such a robotic way to play a yes, game that's robotic. supposed to be so organic. Right. Exactly. It's supposed to be free flowing and organic, etc. It's such a robotic way to play. And, and I don't care. It's robotic when you're doing it in the virtual on the virtual hardwood or you're doing it in real life. And I will say that games have gotten a lot better about that freelance offense over the years. If you go back to like a live 2003, live 2002, there's a lot of teammates standing around, CPU teammates kind of standing around, not really getting into position. So around about live 2004, when they brought in 10 man freestyle, and there was a lot more two-man animations, yes, but it was also an upgrade to the AI where you had players moving off ball and moving with a purpose, to use a, uh, a marketing slogan that EA has used a couple of times over the years, moving with a, giving players a brain, moving with purpose. That's been such an instrumental innovation in, uh, in the gameplay, in AI, in basketball games. And I do like that some of the games have abilities to, to call a random play or the best play, uh, NCAA Basketball 10 has the, the motion offense button, which is similar. You, you uh, tap that to get the players moving, get into that motion offense. And I think Live 16 had the, that call best play as you're crossing, or random play or best play as you're crossing half court, hit L1. 2K's had some quick plays and best play options as well. And I, I think those are good for people who want to get into a bit of play calling, but don't necessarily want to get right into it. Well, it's, a, it's basically Ask Madden like in the Madden games yes. where they're like, ask Madden, you click ask Madden. It gives you like the best supposed best play for that scenario in that in-game situation. I think that's good. I never liked using ask Madden. I felt cheap using ask Madden. Um, I always uh, felt cheap using like best play as well. I think, it, I don't think, I don't think it, there's anything wrong with anybody using it. It just feels like I should be trying to make my own strategy as I'm the coach, in my opinion, in that game, because I'm oh, yeah. controlling the team. So that's kind of just how I am. But yeah, I mean, I've um, one cool thing about the College Hoops 2K8 games um, in the tournament is everybody's pretty much playing like free flowing basketball. You will see pick and roll post up all of that stuff. But the cool thing is, is that overall they're playing off of instincts and they're 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 playing. um, They're just playing basketball. Um, So that's been really cool to see. And I think that's going to be cool to watch Brent and Nate play in the finals tomorrow, you know, in the NCAA championship of the tournament because they both just kind of play some free-flowing basketball. And it's it's much better than seeing people zigzag behind the screen and green a three. Much more exciting. Yeah, I mean, I've seen peep teams in the NBA at times. Um, you know, they'll they'll there's like a set thing that they're supposed to do analytics-wise or play-wise, and they'll get like right under the basket. Under the basket with no defenders really around them, and they'll kick it to the corner for a three. They have a wide open layup and they'll kick it to the corner for free. And that three, that three point shooter in the corner is not wide open. 
a lot of the time. He ends up being somewhat covered, and then a, a three bricks off of the rim, and then the other team just gets a long rebound and starts their fast break. Um, it just drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, the whole three's worth more than twos, which is obviously mathematically correct. It really only makes sense if you make the shot. If you don't, it's kind of a moot point. Right, exactly. And uh, a lot of times they don't make the shot because the three-point percentage, I think, on average for the league right now is roughly around 34 or 35%. So thank you to Debo for that question. Next up, we have one from Basketball Video Games at Beeble Video Games on Twitter. Uh, wants to know about one-off Beeble games that never got a sequel but deserve to. And we were talking about this before we started recording, Derek, and it's hard to think of one that just got one game. There's probably more games that got one or two installments that should have become a full-on series but never continued. But can you think of any one-offs that didn't get a, a follow-up that really should have? I think it would have been nice to see um, a new Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. There was obviously Tecmo NBA Basketball for the NES and then Tecmo Super NBA Basketball for Super Nintendo, but they were basically the same game. Like the menu screens, the gameplay, all of that stuff. So Tecmo Super NBA Basketball really wasn't a sequel. It was just like the Super Nintendo version of that NES version. Um, it would have been cool to see them come out with a game that was like fast paced and fun. Like I thought Tecmo was with the depth um, and even more depth than Tecmo had, which I thought had great depth for the time on Super NES and NES. Um, you know, it would have been cool to see them come out on the next generation. So like on PlayStation, uh, et cetera, and see what they could have put together. Um, it would have been cool to see also um, games like Looney Tunes B-Ball, like some of these, those cartoon games, Space Jam um, and Acme, uh, Titans Acme All-Stars. It would have been cool to see a follow-up to one of those games um, because those games can be really fun and kind of be just like a fun, loose experience. Um, and just some, something kind of different than using like real NBA players or, or real humans in general. So, um, those are, those are the items that, you know, kind of come up off the top of my head. No, I, I agree. It's, it's kind of surprising that Tecmo didn't make, uh, make more games. Did they make any follow-ups to, to the football game, which is obviously a classic as well? I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not really into that space. Um, I know that obviously, um, what was it? Tecmo Bowl? Yes. Um, I think that game is probably one of the most popular sports video games of all time. So, but no, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So another game that I was thinking about when we were discussing it before we started recording the, uh, the trio of games, but they're all the same game, different versions of the same game, uh, NCAA basketball, uh, super dunk shot and world league basketball for the super Nintendo by Hal laboratories. Uh, that was, I mean, there's three games there obviously, but they're, again, they're different regional versions of the same game. That was such a, a great revolutionary game, making use of the the Mode 7 uh, technology for the Super Nintendo for that 3D graphics. That it's a shame that HAL Laboratories didn't kind of branch out and make a few more uh, basketball games. It's funny, um, though, I, I've mentioned this before. Dick Vitale's awesome baby college basketball almost feels like um, another version of NCAA basketball slash Super Dunk Shot, just like a college basketball version. Because it's that that blue background, the road, the 3D rotating court, same mechanics really gameplay wise. Go back and you know, play Dick Vitale's Awesome Baby College Basketball, and then go play NCAA basketball, and you'll get a very very similar gameplay experience. But like I said to you before the, we started this podcast, it's really hard to come up with games that didn't have sequels because even games like NBA Starting Five had a sequel, right? They That's had right, like yeah. new games for them and whatnot you know the shootout series the inside drive series 2k series live all of that um nba action even had a uh, multiple games uh you know kobe bryant's nba courtside like go down the list 
and you're going to see that most basketball games did get, you know, get like a, a like a new version of it. I'd probably throw out Michael Jordan in flight as a possible game that could have been followed up with better, at least a better sequel. I mean, it's a decent game, a you know, fun game in its own right, but if they continue to develop that and maybe that would have continued the relationship with, between Michael Jordan and uh, EA Sports and maybe he would have been in live, for example. So there might have been value in <laughs> keeping him under contract for that when he came back from, from baseball, obviously. So that would be another one. Uh, College Slam, the spin-off of NBA Jam, if that had got a few more releases, that could have become a series in its own right, especially after they lost the NBA Jam name. Actually, no, that, that is an acclaim production. Excuse me, so they could have kept using it College Slam anyway. That was their, their, their game, their spin-off. I mean, the EA Sports NBA Jam games... There were a couple of them. It would have been nice if that had become more of a series, if there'd been more, if the street series had continued, for example. I mean, they still got two or three releases each, so at least four in the case of, uh, of NBA Street. So I guess it's not quite the same. But I think it's more along the lines of that, Derek, that there's some games that only got a couple of releases that probably should have been a fully-fledged series. We should at least have five, six, or seven releases by now. I remember a game like College Slam was made by Acclaim is because I remember that Iguana spinning the ball. Of course, like yes. yeah. that's how I like. Like I remember back to booting up those games. And I remember the, the iguana spinning the ball with the acclaim symbol and all that stuff. So, what about a Slam City with Scottie Pippen? How about that? How about a uh, a new version of that? I mean, is it going to have the same '90s delightful '90s cheese? I mean, it's got to have that. I mean, does it have to have Scottie Pippen? Can we have somebody different? Like, could it be like you know Slam City with Michael Jordan? Would he agree to that? Or does it? Or does it have to be Scottie Pippen? No, we, we can get someone else. You know, it could be Slam City with Scotty. It could be Slam City with uh, Tony Kukoc, for example. Listen, Sean Kemp was so 90s. Why not Slam City with Sean Kemp? There you go. Like, there Sean you go. Kemp would have been perfect. Absolutely. With his style, I think his 90s style and 90s swag. He would have been great for those games. Do we have the uh, return of fingers or do we get other uh, challenges on the, on the blacktop? You got to get new challenges. I'm done with fingers and Mad Dog. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, a lot of games, again, that there wasn't too many one-offs that weren't kind of either disastrous or, or didn't turn into, didn't at least get a, a sequel of some kind, if not a, a short run of a series. But uh, interesting question. No, I love it. Um, definitely keep the questions coming. Um, we don't have as much time on the show to get um, to some of your other questions. You know, we're going to have some questions left in the bag in that we can bring those out on future shows. We did get a few come in via Twitter, including some from uh, Leader of the Foot Clan, aka underscore chuck underscore cross a uh, shout out to you thank you for the questions we are going to get to them in an upcoming show but as derek said please keep those questions coming you can tweet them to us on twitter you can post them on our facebook you can post them in the forum anywhere you can get in touch with us so here's up with those questions because as always derek we love the mailbag yeah it's great i love hearing from the community and i love hearing that you guys are into the show listening to it and participating in it so thank you but with that being said, that has brought us to the end of episode number 421 of the NLSC podcast. We thank you for tuning in. As always, the show comes out every week on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com, of course. You can also tune in on our YouTube channel, as well as all the various podcatching apps and platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, just to name a few on those platforms. Search for NLSC podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. And of course, if you'd like to leave us a review on those platforms, it would be very much appreciated. And we'd also love to connect with you on social media. So, Derek, what are your handles? And do you have any of the final words for our listeners this week? 
Oh, I'll, I'll say as always, thank you again for your submissions to the NLSC Top 10 Plays of the Week. Thank you for connecting with me on Parsec and contributing, obviously, to the NLSC YouTube by me being able to make videos of those connections um, in those great gameplay sessions. Um, thank you for participating in the NLSC tournaments that I've been running, and I can't wait to start the Street Volume 2 tournament. Um, you can connect to me on Twitter at D4384 and at D4G. I'm also on the NLSC as a team member over there, D4 three and i am on youtube as well d for three and when i say d for three it's d-e-e the number four three t-h-r-e-e definitely stay tuned for all of our original content including the nlc podcast monday tip off way back wednesday friday five and everything that uh, derek and i are doing for the youtube channel obviously once again derek been doing some fantastic work with that channel that channel is youtube.com slash mblive series center as for connecting with me, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. And of course, keep a lock to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>